It's me again. I'm back. Kate Rice with Monroe County Matters. Whoa, there is big excitement in Sparta this weekend. It's about swimming pools and softball. Here's our story so far, just in case you've been busy with, you know, working, homeschooling your kids. Maybe there's a herd of goats in your backyard. That one's for you, Suzanne. Tuesday night, the Sparta City Council held a special meeting to decide two things whether or not to open the pool and whether or not to have an adult and summer rec program. The pool vote was close. The council tied 4-4. Mayor Kristen Gust cast the tie-breaking vote to open the pool. But it'll be different. No lazy river, no slide, no diving boards, no concessions. The staff who would normally work concessions instead will be social distancing monitors. They'll walk the pool telling kids, uh, oh, no, too close. Sounds like a fun job, huh? Now, the second vote was whether or not to have the adult and youth summer rep programs, like softball. This time, the council voted 5-3 to three not to have any of those programs. Woo boy. In the next few days, there was a real ruckus. Some people are very concerned about having the pool open. Others want to have their beloved softball leagues up and running. In the meantime, a mere two days after the city council had made the decision to open the pool, the Wisconsin Department of Health Services issued stricter guidelines. Don't open pools. Yesterday, Thursday, May 28th, the city's two co-administrators, Todd Fanning and Mark Sund, met with city attorney Jim, Jim Hellman. They discussed closing the pool and liability issues. Now, Mayor Gust has called another special meeting for Monday night the third in less than two months, and the second in under a week. Here are the three items on the agenda. The pool, again. Adult summer recreation programs, again. And 4th of July fireworks. Fanning said that the council has to decide if it wants to give the city administration the latitude to make decisions based on the Department of Health Services and the Monroe County Health Department's recommendations or if it wants to make each of those city decisions itself. Thanks to the hard work, hard work of Todd Fanning, you will, will be able to call in and listen to this meeting to, and attend remotely. Details are on the City of Sparta website, and I'll put in a link in the show notes too. Thank you, Todd. Meanwhile, as you look ahead to summer, I encourage you to listen to the next part of this podcast. I interview Kaylee Day, the Monroe County Health Department's community health educator. She has some very helpful information that will help you navigate the next few months. Things like when people who have COVID-19 are most contagious. You're not going to like this one. Also, she, she talks about the risk levels of what used to be things that we could do without thinking, like going out to eat or going to a ball game or a concert. And then she talks about what you can do as an individual, a business, or a community to limit those risks and open up safely, open up smart. Take a listen. As of today, we've had 16 confirmed COVID-19 cases. Um, So right now we have one active case and then we've had one death and then 14 cases have recovered. Now we also have, you know, other people that might have been contacts of others from other counties or contacts of um, our current cases that are still under quarantine and we follow up with them um, on a daily basis 
and do symptom monitoring. So we have um, people can, if you're a contact of someone who has been confirmed positive with COVID-19, we have you do what's called symptom monitoring. So every day um, you can either do it electronically or we call you. Um, we have you take your temperature twice a day, and then we have a list of symptoms that we have you kind of rate um, if you have those or not. So we are kind of busy doing that as well. So um, our messaging, you know, our things that we want really to get out to the public right now is um, kind of our main points are, you know, really trying to stay home if you're sick, even if it's mild. So we've seen a lot of COVID-19 cases where people had mild symptoms and they didn't think that they had COVID-19 and then turns out they did. Um, so really emphasizing that like stay home if you're sick. I mean, stay home really as much as you can, but especially if you're sick. Um, also minimizing close physical contact with those outside of your household. And by close contact, we mean within six feet. So um, sometimes people think in order, you know, they didn't have close contact with somebody because they weren't like hugging or sitting right next to them. But close contact is really within six feet because when you cough or sneeze or talk, you know, that's how far um, droplets can, um, I don't know, I don't know how to say it, spray. <laughs> um, you know, just to put it, um, say it how it is. Um, so that's what we mean by close contact. Um, also to minimizing travel, especially to areas considered viral hotspots. So places that have a high number of cases, you know, we really encourage you to stay away from those places because we know that viruses know no boundaries. So we had, I mean, this virus, you know, began in China and now it's been it, it's been found in, I think, almost every country in the world. So they really don't know any boundaries. Um, also, too, wearing a face covering out in public, especially in places where social distancing is difficult. So places like the grocery store, convenience stores, um, those kinds of places. Um, obviously, maintaining six-foot distance with other, minimizing congregating in groups. So really trying, you know, if you are with several people really trying to keep those groups as small as possible and yourself spread out. Um, and then, of course, washing your hands, avoiding touching your face, and then disinfecting frequently touched surfaces are kind of our um, main tips that we have been telling the public. Kaylee, that is super helpful. Thank you. Now, can you talk a bit more about face masks, please? So I think I'll, if, if you don't mind, I'll start off with just talking about like how COVID-19 spreads because I think that, I think that sets up the face mask, um, you know, the why face masks matter. So um, COVID-19, you know, spreads easily and sustainably between people. So it spreads more easily than the flu, but not as easily as something like measles, you know, which is highly contagious. So um, and it spreads mainly through close person-to-person -person contact, so within six feet, like I talked about previously. And it's spread mainly through respiratory droplets when an infected person, like, coughs, sneezes, talks. Um, they've also um, seen increased transmission with um, when people are singing, too. 
And then droplets can then land in the mouth or nose of people nearby or possibly inhaled into the lungs. So um, you can also possibly get COVID-19 by like touching a surface or an object that has the virus on it and then touching like your mouth, your nose, your eyes, or possibly your eyes. Um, it can also too be spread by people without symptoms who we call asymptomatic. So we've actually had um, a case in Monroe County where someone was asymptomatic, had no symptoms. They had to go in for a medical procedure and um, were tested just as you know part of um, common procedure and found out that they tested positive for COVID-19. So there are people who can have it without symptoms, maybe like 25%, but don't totally quote me on that. I did fact check those numbers for Kaylee. And the CDC has said that as many as 25% of COVID-19 sufferers are asymptomatic. And an Iceland study found that as many as 50% of those who tested positive had no symptoms. Um, people who do develop symptoms are most contagious in their like pre-symptomatic period. So the two, we, um, I think the guidance that we have been um, using from the state has been saying that people are most um, contagious in their pre-symptomatic period, so two days before they develop symptoms. So, uh, which kind of leads me into face masks. So, the point of face masks or the face cloth face coverings is to really protect others from you. So, it provides that extra layer because, you know, when you're talking or coughing or sneezing or whatever it may be, it provides that extra layer of protection to stop those respiratory droplets from spraying out. So it really prevents the person wearing the mask from spreading that to others. Now, it's especially important if you think about the people who may not have any symptoms or might be in that pre-symptomatic period before they develop symptoms. So they don't know that they have it yet. So, um, and they can be spreading, you know, that disease without even knowing it. So that face mask really provides that extra layer of protection to protect others. And um, so that's why we've been encouraging people, especially, you know, in settings where social distancing is hard to do. Then Kaylee talked about the risk that certain settings represent. Yeah, so we've gotten a lot of questions from people about, you know, what's the risk of this activity? Should I do this? Should I do that? And, you know, um, in light of having that structured guidance, you know, it can really be challenging for people. So we've been fielding a lot of calls from businesses and churches and other, you know, local municipalities and um, kind of providing guidance on that. But I just wanted to give some um, information that I personally found really helpful. So I'd just like to share it with others. So your individual risk really depends on your age, health, age and health, um, prevalence of virus in the area, and then also the precautions you take. So we know that certain people or certain groups of people are more at risk for severe complications when it comes to COVID-19. So that would be people who are 65 and older, people who are living in like nursing homes, long-term care facilities, more of those like congregate settings. Um, also too, people who have underlying medical conditions like chronic lung disease, 
moderate to severe asthma, those who are immunocompromised, um, whether that be from like if you're on an immunosuppressant, if you have HIV or AIDS, if you're undergoing like cancer treatment, things like that. Um, also severe obesity. So if you have like a BMI over 40, um, diabetes, chronic kidney disease and liver disease. So I was reading an article and I actually shared it on our Facebook page a couple of days ago. And it was from NPR and they were talking about the risks of certain summer activities. And Dr. William Miller, who is an epidemiologist at Ohio State University, um, he said that they like to think of risk as time, space, people, place, which I really liked. Um, so thinking about the more time you spend and the closer you are to, like the closer in space you are to any infected people, the higher your risk. Um, also too, interacting with more people raises your risk and that indoor places are riskier than outdoor places. So if you're thinking about, you know, if you're trying to make some, you know, educated decisions for yourself, um, looking at outdoor spaces as opposed to indoor, um, looking at masking as opposed to not masking, and being in spaces like bigger spaces with fewer people over a smaller space. Um, also, too, Johns Hopkins put out guidance. They actually had a whole guidance document for governors for reopening and assess the risk for various settings. So they based it on like your contact intensity. So the type of contact you have, like, are you having close contact? Is it more distant? And then the duration. So is it more, is it brief or is it more like prolonged? Um, like, for example, as like, if you're in a grocery store passing somebody as opposed to getting a haircut and being in like a certain, like a prolonged um, setting with somebody else. Um, also to the number of contacts. So the number of people in the setting at the same time, and then the potential to modify that um, setting. So what measures can you put in to prevent transmission or lower your risk? So places that they considered more, um, higher risk, like places where you have closer contact with larger groups of people. So it would be like indoor or outdoor large venues. So think like concerts, festivals, sporting events, um, bars, um, contact sports, places of worship, summer camps, shared transport, shared transportation. So things like buses, um, taxis, Ubers, that kind of thing. Uh, medium or high risk would be medium to high risk, depending on what kind of measures they use, would be like salons and spas. Um, medium risk would be like restaurants, gyms or fitness studios, theaters, museums, pools, community centers. Um, lower risk would be like retail shopping, non-contact sports, beaches, piers, parks, walking trails, dog parks, libraries. So... And all those have varying risk depending on what measures are being put in place. But um, if you're thinking of going to any of these places, really looking at the efforts that they're making for social distancing. So are they having like a lower capacity? We've seen a lot of places that um, maybe they have like 50% of their capacity. So more people can be spaced out. Um, also to, you know, reducing opportunities for contact. So are there opportunities to do like 
um, touchless payment or something like that. Also um, doing face masks and then looking at like hygiene practices. So no self-serve, are they wiping down surfaces? And then also looking at is there op the opportunity to um, be outdoor versus indoor? So maybe you can sit outside, you know, um, at a restaurant as opposed to being inside. I told Kaylee that I think Monroe County is so fortunate to have such a proactive health department and such a great and highly respected health de department director, Sharon Nelson. And Kaylee was quick to give praise to other people in the Monroe County community and all the health departments she works with, as well as to Sharon Nelson herself. You know, I think one thing, you know, and I have to kind of give a kudos to a lot of our local health departments we you know throughout the state we are constantly like sharing resources with one another and really you know from all across the state so um, we actually you know our business toolkit we um, have we kind of combined resources from Washington Ozaki um, Public Health Department and La Crosse County Health Department so a lot of our guidance um, is coming from a variety of sources. But I think the thing that uh, with Monroe County is I've seen um, a lot of really good communication between people. So, you know, we have, you know, throughout this whole thing, we, my boss, our health officer has been really um, in communication with lots of different municipalities, businesses, churches, all, sorts of different organizations and a lot of people who are really um, really want to do the right thing and keep their employees their customers their um, whoever they serve safe so I think that um, is one of um, that you know some places have a lot a lot harder time with that communication with between maybe them and their healthcare systems or whoever it might be and we've had really good communication so um, I think too, trying to get out in front, uh, you know, really anticipating what's to come and trying to get in front of that is something that our health officer is really big on. So I think that is, um, you know, a lot of the people that we've worked with are really, you know, anticipate really try or how do I want to say throughout this whole process have really been anticipating like not trying to be reactive, but being proactive. And I think that's something that um, is really um, something that, you know, Monroe County does really well, is really trying to get out in front of that, um, as opposed to having to react. I just want to point out, the Monroe County Health Department celebrates its centennial next year, a hundred years of keeping Monroe County healthy. Hmm. This has been another by the Seat of My Pants production. Theme music by Peter Danilovitz.